This is episode five alpha of Free as in Freedom. I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. So Karen has a topic. You did this to me once. Karen has a topic she wants to discuss with you. (laughs) Well, it's just that it seems kind of timely and it's on my mind. So I thought, so I don't know if people have been following um, the whole Gamergate. Have you been following it? I wasn't. um, I wasn't following the, the, the source situation of it. In the sense that I, I didn't realize that's what was happening. But then it played back out into free software. And that's when I started paying attention. Because it, cause I, I, a lot of, a lot of um, proprietary software news, I just don't follow. I, I should, but I don't. Honestly, it's only because now I'm on a lot of these, I'm a lot of, uh, on various lists that talk about uh, women in tech. So that's how I heard about it. Um, but it, then it became so big that now we've all probably heard about it, which is anyway, so let me, so the, the background is that, um, is that there's this gaming site and I've actually not say, said this out loud, but it's Game of Sutra, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it, it, it basically is this, um, is this video gaming website and, um, Intel was one of its sponsors and there was a, um, a piece. Uh, that was posted on um, on the site. I'm actually looking at the uh, at the uh, thing right now. Well, so. it was an ad, right? It was actually an ad for Intel that. Well, but the reason why, um, uh, but but the Intel Intel only pulled their funding from them when there was a piece that was suggesting that women might have a harder, you know, that that. What do you? So I, I originally heard the story that Intel was for it before they were against it, kind of thing. That they were supportive of the. Or maybe I heard the story wrong, but I heard that Intel was initially supportive of this piece about that, and then the backlash against it caused them to yank their funding. Like they did a flip flop. That's what I. That's the impression I got. But maybe I'm wrong about that. I didn't hear about the flip flop. What okay. I heard was that um, uh, was that. There was basically a, a lot of um, a lot of people who were upset about the piece started emailing sponsors and telling them that the site. But, but so, but what? Wait, so why why did Intel why did Intel care? That's what I don't understand. Like why why would they care what a bunch of people were complaining about? Because they were complaining about a diversity thing. It's, it seems weird. The, Intel could have just ignored them. That's what I don't understand. Like it's one thing if they people were writing about something that's, I guess I guess if I see it from the other side's point of view, I could say, well, people think diversity is bad, so, <laughs> so they so so therefore I have to put myself in their shoes and say, well, Intel has to treat Intel as a company that serves profit only has to choose between well, two different sides of an issue and either side being upset is a problem for them. Well, I, I think that what happened was they didn't, I would guess that they didn't look into it too closely. And then what happened was they got a flood of people who were saying that the piece was, the opinion piece was very controversial. And they said, oh, well, we don't want to have, and, and they, ah, so, and they had a flood of complaints. Right. So my guess is, is that the, that sponsoring a gaming site is dicey on its own. 
because gaming a gaming website where people discuss gaming i mean mean, i'm thinking in terms of i'm trying to think of a thing i know that's closest to it like xda forums or something like that's where it's kind of a wild west environment of people saying lots of crazy things and all that sort of stuff which which uh, some of these web forums are like that um and i would guess that sponsoring that as a for-profit company is already controversial so my, if I put myself in the mindset of a marketing person at Intel, it's sort of like what was already controversial that we sponsored this site. So any controversy that rises to the level of people emailing us and getting in the news is a reason to step back from it, right? That's the thinking on their side, I bet. Maybe. I mean, I think that what happened was that it wasn't that the, the complaints they were getting didn't identify it as a piece that was speaking out against sexism. Correct. The of title of the piece but... was uh, Gamers... Gamers don't have to be your audience. Gamers are over. And so while it was it was talking about how a um, uh, basically a, a, the games need to be inclusive of players and that the identity of a gamer mm-hmm. is changing. And so gamer and the, and basically uh, people who were um, who were upset by this were misconstruing it when they or or were describing it in a certain way when they were complaining about it to the sponsors and saying, you know, this piece, what is this, what, this is not appropriate for a gaming website. It's saying that gamers are dead. It's, you know, it's basically, um, you know, tearing down the thing that you are supporting. Mm-hmm. And it's such a controversial piece. And why is that there? And so Intel probably without looking too closely into it, and probably as you're right, that because it's a gaming website, just sort of said, well, it's easier to just pull our funding. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a controversial thing to fund in the first place. I, I mean, I, I think the if you want to talk about the mistake Intel made, I bet it was sponsoring that website. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the fundamental mistake, like they should probably shouldn't have sponsored it from the beginning because it's probably not the type of website that it makes sense for them to sponsor. Um, I actually think that their fundamental mistake was not issuing a real apology. Well, but that's a that's. But their initial mistake was probably sponsoring it. Right, just getting involved in the first place because because if you get involved with a place where there's going to be this kind of controversial debate, not that I agree with it. I mean, I think I'm not afraid of controversial debates, but that's why I work for nonprofits, not for profits. Um, But a for profit company generally is forced to be hyper conservative and and worried about being associated with anything that's controversial in any way. Um, and so, and so they, they probably, they probably erred on the side of getting involved with something controversial. And then, then they, then they in this weird position, right? Where they, where they are forced to, they feel forced to disassociate themselves with something that might be a good message because it's a, it's a controversial message, which it shouldn't be a controversial message, but it is unfortunately in our society, a controversial message, um, at least for some people, for the haters of the world, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is. But the fact that this became a banner for the sexist culture in free software to become more aggressive, or, or not even the, not even the sexist culture. This the, the, this um, this sexism is over culture uh, that we have, which is really unbelievable in the sense of people who believe that, oh, there's no more sexism anymore, so the fact that you're taking a position about feminism means that you're some kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Which is not... The, the funny thing I used is, to believe that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and a lot of people who who make this point, I mean, that's where they're focused, right? They're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not sexism deniers outright. They're saying sexism is a problem we used to have, and if you're still obsessed with it, it's like it's like basically being obsessed with an issue of the past. Like, well, free software is a meritocracy. Yeah, we don't even know if someone's a woman or a man if they're yeah. contributing. That's like, my point. That those, those are the virtual. arguments that people make. How could it be? Yeah, 
It's so funny. I, you know, I was on this panel, the very first panel I was ever on about women in free software it was early on in my, um, my activity in free and open source software. And it was a panel, it was actually at scale. There were actually like 10 people on the panel. And, um, That's too big for it a was panel. ridiculous. Almost all of the women were on the panel. And what was even worse was that I think they figured scale is a great conference. I'm not, I, I, I think they've come a long way since then too. But they also scheduled it like a women in free software day. And it was the day before the conference started and the conference was on the weekend. And the, the day for women in free software was separate and the day before on a Friday. So it was mm -hmm. like, you know, well, women don't have jobs that they need to go to. So like they can be on this panel. It was really, and it was also sad because most of the people there were then on this panel. <laughs> um, but uh, but what struck me about the panel was that um, was that the that a lot of the women on the panel were saying that they hadn't particularly experienced sexism and the whole thing was overblown. And then I realized that they had um, they had gender ambiguous names. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> there was um, there was Jean, mm -hmm. who everyone of course assumed was wrong. There was Chris. There was like it was like a hilarious thing where four of the women on the panel had um, had names that people would have naturally assumed um, mm -hmm. in a free software world that they were men. And so it's like, oh, that's have you guys considered? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and 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 you know the response isn't necessarily well. You should choose a gender ambiguous handle. Mm -hmm. Like it's not fair to ask people to hide who they are just because they want to contribute to free software and want to do so in, a, in an even way. Well, and the fact that this happens in Linux Foundation's Linux project, that is, I mean, I mean, that's just a continuation of problems we talked about on the previous show about Linus Torvalds, the Linux Foundation employee comments about uh, that, that he was confronted with by Ryan ah, Lordy. So before we get there, so let's just finish with the, the, okay, the, so. the, the timeline on the Intel thing is that Matthew Garrett wrote this amazing blog post. which Who is Matthew Garrett also? Also a Linux developer. Yes, yes. And so well, this is basically transitioning um, to that. So um, so his blog post was entitled Actions Have Consequences or Why I'm Not Fixing Intel's Bugs Anymore. And he just gives this like great, uh, he's just a great writer. And he just gives this like um, hilarious um, blog post where he says, look, I don't, I don't have to deal with bugs on Intel-based systems, so I'm not going to anymore because why should I support a company that takes such objectionable stances? Mm -hmm. um, and he does so in an amusing way. And that got a lot of attention. I think that's when you heard about it, right? Because Correct. Matthew. Correct, yeah, because of yeah. Matthew. But, but, so I, so I think, but then he gets sexist responses on, on LKML, which we'll link to in the show notes. That, that was unbelievable. Well, it was believable. I uh, everything's it. believable now. Um, but so I think um, I think that the the um, it, so so I mean this is this is a problem with the Linux community. It's, interestingly, somebody said to me recently that they wish their project was successful enough, like Linux is, so they could be mean. Um, the idea being that 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 you can get away with being mean in a free software project that's highly successful that everybody wants to participate in. Um, and and I think that's that that's the ego problem that's gone to Linux's head, right? So the so so Linux the Linux argument basically is we're so awesome and so many people want to participate in our community that we don't have to make our community welcoming to anybody that we don't feel like making it welcome to. So it makes the incumbent power structure of white men able to just decide that they don't want to change their behavior. So this week, um, Leonard Pot Puttering, if you listen to Patering. their Puttering, what is it? 
Uh, well, I mean, I, <laughs> anyway, that's how I Leonard, always said um, umlauts. Who so. has been very active in the GNOME community um, and is the you know one of the key people behind System D. Um, he wrote a G plus um, post this week, sort of saying how much hate he's received, um, you know, on um, for for his for his technical work, and that it's been disproportionate to um, you know to the technical discussions that he's had and how um, and how scary it is and how upsetting it has been for him and. Um, you know, and he points out the fact that this kind of behavior, you know, and, and, and the fact that he's a white man and that this behavior is, um, it can be, um, particularly alienating to people from other cultures who are worried about losing face, mm-hmm. um, or, um, or anyone who is not a part of the, um, of the, you know, white male majority mm-hmm. in free and open source software. So it was really kind of an interesting time to have it overlapping. And at the same time, um, Kathy Sierra, who people might remember as the person who, um, the person who was identified by Weave as, um, you know, uh, he, with, um, they call it doxing, when he, um, he decided that she should become a, a target of attack. And he posted her social security, this is many years ago, her social security number and a fake backstory that involved um, her, you know, her and prostitution and, 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 and then basically invited the internet, posted her personal address and invited people to send her things, which, you know, in the piece, she describes what happened to her. And she's spoken out before, but it basically drove her off the internet. And she describes things like seeing, um, like having pictures sent to her of, um, her children's faces photoshopped onto graphic, pornographic and other, and, and violent, um, images. Um, and um, and being really it, it bleeding over into the real world so much that um, that her whole life was changed and her 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 career career frustrated and um, it it's really a, a extremely powerful to hear about and I think a lot of people don't even know that this happened and it's sort of a um, it it it's sort of a a a, a very real and um, and upsetting example of what can happen to women on the internet in particular yeah I, and and the thing is is that um i mean i'm curious if she was involved with linux was she involved with linux or was she no. involved with a different project yeah i mean i just i just look at linux as this so there was this recent thing on the um the gsoc mentor list where one of the mentors for linux um, this wasn't a sexism issue. It was more of a, it was almost ageist, I guess, or something. Um, it was more culturalist, I guess. So one of the mentors uh, for Linux uh, in the previous GSOC round that's just completed was arguing that basically um, it, the, the the people who come into GSOC are, you know, they're just, they're just trying to get this money and they're trying to manipulate the mentors to give them the money, you know, and, and basically this whole thing of, of, uh, of it had this air of these people are just desperate for money mm. and they come in to try to get this money, which basically is talking about most of the applicants to GSOC these days are from, uh, uh, fr- from uh, the less wealthy countries, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my student this year was from India. And, and so, and so it's very common to have students from, from various pl- pl- places in the world where they, they may, because it's a lot of, it, admittedly, it's a lot of money in their context, uh, as far as, as far as getting paid for the summer. And it's not particularly a lo- enough money in, in some cities in the U S to, to live on for the summer. Mm-hmm. So, um, but of course, I mean, I, I was used to in the U S not getting paid when I was in summer intern in school, not enough to live on anyway. So right. <laughs> it's relatively typical. And, the U.S. anyway, but uh, but the, the I mean, and the person actually ended up being kicked off the mentors list uh, because of this this Linux mentor. So uh, yeah, I, I'm really concerned about 
why the Linux Foundation is basically allowing this kind of behavior to be a central part of their project. Um, it's it's a really disconcerting thing that's that's now become. It's not just Linus is a re, is a jerk and says really inappropriate things anymore. It's it's an entire group of some people on LKML and elsewhere in the Linux community saying things to people. Yeah, I mean to be fair to the Linux Foundation, they have had you know a series of talks at conferences. They have done some things. They adopt, they were one of the early adopters of the anti harassment policy for their conference. Um, so there is something. Yeah, yeah, that they've done. yeah. I, 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 there was a guy speaking at LinuxCon Europe three years ago who said that who said that the, the great thing about the Internet of Things was that you can you can keep your wife out of the refrigerator by locking it. Ugh. Right. I mean, and this was a keynoter that they invited to come speak at Linux Foundation. So I mean, I think. But I that, do know that they have taken action on inappropriate content in keynotes and have the, have, the, have not allowed. Uh, I, I think there's at least one instance of someone who was not allowed back for inappropriate content. Sure, sure. I mean, they're 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 good at PR when the when the thing comes up. I'm just very concerned that this they yeah. just allow this to happen. And uh, you know, I once raised uh, to uh, to Jim Zemlin the issue of of Linus's comments. He said, "Oh, you're saying that a flame on a mailing list? Well, that always happens in open source." That was his mm -hmm. literal answer to me. So I mean, I'm I, I think that that when you have and it's weird because you have somebody like Greg Cage, who's an employee of Linux Foundation, who is probably the complete other side of this question where he's mentored students in the outreach program for women he's raised this issue as a diversity problem in in in, in linux and tried to change it um, and then you have the basically opposite side with linus um, it, it, it's it's a mixed message and it's very disconcerting that that's that's where it goes and the fact that that you know people like matthew just get attacked i mean as as, a, as an independent linux developer who's not actually affiliated with the linux, other linux developers are just allowed to attack him i think he handles it really well and his response on that thread that we'll link to in the show notes was very good but it, it's 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 just unbelievable that he can go on his blog and make a comment about what he's going to do and his choices about the in the Linux community, and somebody decides to go at him on LKML and then there's no consequence mm -hmm. for that. No consequence. And not even in the comment on his blog. It's like it's and bad it's enough. It's not you even get anonymous. <laughs> right. Well, and, and it's it's I mean it's one thing to get comments on the blog itself, right? I mean that's you sort of expect it's the internet. You're going to get these horrible comments, and he's had to screen some because of Although that. Although what he did was he replaced the um, the comments that were of a certain trolley rationale with the words fart 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 I which i think that. made people <laughs> a little like which i think is hilarious but also i think made these people feel like they needed another forum to be heard i suppose but ultimately it's his blog i mean he's screening stuff out yeah um, absolutely. I, I mean I, I mean i don't know if i run if i the I mean, dreamless screen system lets you just reject the comment entirely that probably if matthew had asked me for advice i probably have said rejecting the comments entirely would made more sense than replacing the text but anyway i i think <sighs> I, I, I mean, th this is this is a standing problem, and, and I think it, I, I really am interested in this point of popularity of project. This this idea that the incumbent has all this power, uh, the incumbent popular project has all this power to just treat people badly. Um, you notice that, that diversity is better in projects. Diversity and outreach to diversity is better in projects that are that are less popular. Mm. I, I think it's a really interesting thing that because the older popular projects are dominated by. Uh, people who are white males and so forth, and they and they can get away with this because they don't have to worry about turning away. Um, I mean, I, I think about VLC. VLC is a very unwelcoming community, very similar, extremely popular project. I think we can think of a lot of examples that are old and established that are unwelcoming to people, but I think that the new project, it really is project by project. I think just the fact that it's a new project and wants new contributors, I think generally 
a lot of those projects value contributions from those same groups of people hmm. um, and aren't going out of their way to try to find others. They want those rock star programmers. They want the people who are already established and they want the kinds of the kinds of developers that are the same kinds that the Linux kernel and other established projects have. I don't. I, I think that's optimistic to say that new projects are are you know can you know can't afford to be like that because you know I tell you. I I know I've said this on this show before that I used to when I was in my 20s I never wanted to talk about the women in tech issue and when I started in free software I really didn't want to talk about this and I didn't want anything to do with it I didn't want to be asked questions about it because I, I thought it was a little overblown but as I've spent now almost a decade in free and open source software it's so bad I mean and it's so much worse and and I can tell you that when I start having successful advocacy and when i see like for example this is actually a point that kathy sierra makes my twitter follower number go up or i see that my articles are in different places i am excited but i also get really nervous at the same time because i've already been attacked you know i've already had threats and i'm sort of like well and i'm not even that i'm not that well known <laughs> you know what happens if i get more traction for what i'm saying i want that but at the same time you know i i i've had times where i've been worried about my family so i don't know you know and and it's really it's funny it's just it's in a, and i i can't really see past the fact that it's mostly just because i'm a woman um who's visible online and maybe I'm overreacting, I don't know, but the fact that this has already happened to me makes me realize how true this must be. Yeah, well, I mean, Leonard's, Leonard's point uh, is, I'm sort of with that because being a white male as well, you know, I've always been worried because my positions are so radical that, that I'll be attacked, because I have been attacked for my positions. There's, there's a, a specific troll um, who constantly on Usenet and other places is, is attacking me for, for GPL enforcement. Um, and and has said some pretty scary things, but uh, and this is one of the reasons why I'm I'm rather careful about only giving the city I live in rather than the exact uh, had people knowing my exact address and and all that sort of thing, um, and and so and so and and obviously I'm not going to have it as bad as everybody else will as, as somebody who's uh, who's in a in a class of people who is more easily attacked and and is going to fall basically people are going to choose to attack those people more often. So somebody like you, as a woman, you're gonna people are gonna to choose to attack you more than they're gonna to choose to attack me. Particularly if you're holding the same positions as me. So if my worry is my positions are too radical, I'm gonna be attacked. Not only you're holding the same similar positions or the same positions, you're also a woman who's more likely to be attacked because of the cultural bias of men attacking women, which is a and real thing. Like women are shouldn't shouldn't be vocal. Their opinion shouldn't be. You know, there's this very subtle feeling of what makes it. You know. And that, and that's kind of the worst problem, right? So so um, so I grew up I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland in the '80s. Um, just at the moment when it was starting, at least in that part of the almost south uh, of the U.S., uh, for racism to have to move from being uh, overt to to subtle. Right. So I the older people in my neighborhood were overtly racist, the younger people in my neighborhood. So I'm saying younger in my own context now. So the people in their 80s, you know, the 60s, <laughs> 70s and 80s, the, 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 the elderly people overtly racist in my neighborhood. Um, I have tons of examples of, of racist comments that were said to me and so forth um, as a teenager. And the people in their my parents' age um, in the neighborhood were subtly racist, right? And so when my parents uh, my parents owned uh, um, we bought a second my parents bought a second home at one point for my grandma to live in before she before she went to a nursing home that was a couple blocks away. 
And the neighborhood was furious that they sold to an African-American family when they sold the house. Um, and, and so there was there was this weird thing where the people, the elderly people were furious in like an overt way. And the other people were like, were like, well, we have to make good decisions about how we mm. sell that, you know, that, that kind of subtle racism of like, well, what's the good decision situation? Uh, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean you, they can't buy the home if they're not economically uh, in a good state because so, they won't get a loan. So what, what is it you're saying exactly? Um, so, so I, I think what I discovered in my teens from that is the subtle is more difficult to fight against, right? And 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 people who are subtly um, racist, subtly sexist, um, or, or or they are more likely they, they they're smart about testing you to see what side of the, mm -hmm. of the position you're on. And when they find an ally, it's basically I'm reminded of this. There was a great Saturday Night Live skit done in the early Saturday Night Live days of. Um, Eddie Murphy basically um, went like dressed up as a white person and went around and got on buses to like see what what, what white people did when all the African American people were gone and like they, basically everybody's like as soon as the last African American person goes everybody thinks he's white in this skit that last African American person gets off the bus and they all just started like saying racist things immediately <laughs> like and all this sort of thing like the the the, the underlying and 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 the and the, the goal of the skit is to expose that this underlying racism is central in our culture and there's like this this and I saw this in Baltimore when I was growing up this unwritten pact of are you racist like me and people testing you? I mean, me even as a teenager. Um, uh, I remember when I work, I, I'm telling one of the stories. I wasn't going to tell the stories. When, when, uh, when I worked at, I worked at um, uh, Roy Rogers, uh, a fast food place when I was a teenager. Um, and one Saturday morning, um, an elderly guy came in, guy in his, his probably his late 60s, early 70s, came in and um, and placed his order they, they, you know, to come in and get coffee in the morning. And the, the, all the early customers are these early riser people and they're, and they're, and they're, they're older. And Saturday morning, and he looks at me and says, the darkies don't like working on Saturdays, huh? And of course, it turned out that the entire crew that morning was white, hmm. right? And I didn't answer him. Um, and so I get his coffee and I come back and he goes, I don't think you heard me <laughs> oh, and no. repeats it. Right. And, and so, and so I didn't know what to say. Right. I mean, so I said, um, I heard you, I just ignored you. And that was all I said. But I mean, th this is, this is kind of a testing thing that the people who are, who are racist do in, in Boy, what I is it? Going. I also worked at fast food when I was a teenager. And when I was working in fast, we actually worked at the concession stand at Jones beach in New York. Um, and, and, uh, and, People made anti-Semitic comments to me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, ah, yeah. You don't know what to say. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, it's. I, I think it's the not to, like, to not to me like testing me to testing. find out. Well, if and I, that's the testing thing. And so, and so, I think one of the things that happens was, yeah. on the internet. I mean, I think this happens in, in LKML. I mean, one of the cultures that Linus is setting is this this culture of 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 being able to, uh, it's happened over a period of years, right? People test it. If you, if you look early, um, you know, uh, Linus is a very humble guy early on. I mean, if you're not big and professional like GNU, right? And so over time, there's been testing throughout that culture to see like, what can we get away with? And how bad can we be almost? And and I, I think some of it's subconscious. I don't think it's like conscious. I, mean, I think in my example, it's a conscious testing scenario, probably in yours as well, um, in, in working in, in sort of food service or whatever. But then what's happened is is that it's, it's, it's risen to a point that LKML is considered a place where you can be abusive and sexist um, and get away with it. 
And, yeah. and therefore, all that testing, the testing has played out and we've gotten to that point. So one of the questions is, is might be, how does this relate topics on this podcast? I think it relates in a couple of different ways. So first of all, as a charity, one of the goals of, say, Conservancy or any other charity is to benefit the entire public. And so if we're in a situation where we're failing to try and make free software and open source accessible to everybody and available to everybody, we're failing in our mission because our mission says that we're trying to make free and open source available to all. Mm -hmm. And so if we just let this kind of thing stand by, I think we're failing in our mission. We're not meeting our mission fully if we just simply say, say as, a, as any nonprofit, oh, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, not, it's not important. Um, it's, it's, it's an issue of the general public being not welcome into the community. And so that's one way it relates. Um, it also relates in the legal sense, and we've covered legal topics on this. I don't understand how Linux Foundation doesn't see the because, legal liability of what's happening. Because they separate, because they don't represent the Linux kernel. But they've got... But they Linus, employ one of the worst offenders. Worst offender, <laughs> one of the worst offenders, and he's using a LinuxFoundation.org email okay. address. That's his primary email address that he's posting these messages from. He's posting these messages in his professional capacity as a Linux Foundation employee, identified Linus at LinuxFoundation.org. Um, now, now the, the Gregory Smith, the guy who replied to, to Mark, uh, Mark, I'm sorry, Matthew, um, doesn't know, we don't know where, I don't know where he even know where he works for sure. But the point is, is he was posting in his own capacity. I, I, I at least took it as he was posting his own capacity. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, I, I, there's a tremendous amount of legal liability. It's, it's interesting to note this because one of the one of the things I like about sexual harassment law and these other sorts of things is is it. And we did this episode a long time ago about about uh, where I taught we I talked about that uh, documentary Hot Coffee and uh, the issues of tort tort deform as as Ralph Nader calls it. And the idea that in this country we can use to in the U.S. one of the ways we get social policy right is torts the ability for people to file a lawsuit when they've been harmed um, and, and get a judgment against somebody, that's a way of correcting behavior. I don't think it's the best way. I would rather there was governmental public policy that dealt with these issues. But given that we don't have that, the fact that we have something like torts that you can use as a mechanism to hold accountable people who do things that harm that's a nice second approximation, in my view, if we can't have government regulation that actually takes care of it. So uh, this guy posts from a Gmail address. Yeah. And uh, and I don't I don't see him being right. So he's post. posting in his own capacity. So I mean, I think that I think that there's, there's a lots, lot of incendiary posts. Right, but there's a, there's a lot. There's, I mean, people could argue this Gregory Smith person. Um, uh, not acting on behalf of Linux community, not acting on behalf of Linux Foundation. Um, he's posting to a list hosted by Linux Foundation. I think Linux Foundation would probably correctly argue that they're a kind of common carrier in this instance. They're hosting a public forum, mm -hmm. um, so somebody would have to DMCA takedown or otherwise do take down, you know, takedowns, uh, which I'm sure they would respond to if somebody sent them if if they felt his his text was abusive or, or harmful to them. But I I think the liability lines that 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 Linux Foundation sits on here, I'm amazed that they're, I mean, we know well, uh, Karen Copenhaver, their, their, uh, their counsel. I'm surprised that she's not more concerned about this kind yeah, of issue. I, I, yeah, I'm, I haven't talked to her about it, but maybe I will. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe maybe it's worth a conversation to see what what maybe they have analysis, which I'd like to talk about here, that makes that, that, that believe insulates them from Linus's uh, telling people that they should 
the, the, I mean, the kinds of things he said to people um, that, that Ryan uh, asked about in, in the thing we talked about a couple episodes ago. I, I think that it's, uh, I'm amazed that the, I mean, I, I keep comparing conservancy. Now, conservancy does not monitor all our projects mailing list. We don't have the resources to do that. But if any of this kind of stuff, even close to this, got escalated to us, I, Karen and I would be dropping everything to figure out how to deal with it. It's and, true, and I, honestly, I would I would consider asking a project to leave conservancy. Oh, sure, I would too. Yeah, yeah. No matter um, how important. The, yeah, I mean, if we project. couldn't deal with it, if we couldn't nip it in the bud, right? I mean, if, yeah. if, if we, I mean, lots of free software projects have a bad actor that shows. Yeah, up I mean, and that's happened, and we've, you know, I've sent email addresses, but you know what? I generally send like private email addresses if I see things that are. Um, you know, because I think actually sometimes the posters might be insensitive. They might not actually know. Mm -hmm. And how do you know if nobody tells you that actually that might, mm -hmm. you know, that might serve to turn these mm -hmm. groups of people away. And, and, and that's not, a, you know, that's not what we wanted. It sounds like you're saying this. Is that what you're saying? Because yeah. I don't think so. And I think it's safe to say this because we have 30 projects, so it would be tough for somebody to figure out which one. I mean, we've we've had projects where contributors in sort of primarily private email on internal lists, I guess is the best way to put it, have said both racist and sexist things. Um, and so I've seen that, and I keep a closer eye on those projects about what's happening in their communities because of it, right? I mean, I, I try to make sure and see, hey, what you know, what's being said in their community, and is it is it is is the stuff being said publicly? I mean, everybody can make a mistake and, and say something that's that's uh, that, that's inappropriate. Uh, I've certainly done it in my life, um, but from my point of view. If, if we were confronted with it as conservancy, it would, we would be worried about the liability of it. We would be worried about all these questions of, of, of are we liable for them? Just as a matter of organizational health, are we liable for this? Mm -hmm. if, this if, if somebody's being abusive to another person on a mailing list that's uh, uh, hosted by a conservancy project. Um, so we'd be concerned on that front, but that's sort of sort of the self-preservation front of being concerned about it. But more as a mission question, I'd be concerned about it. Are, are we fulfilling our mission as a charity if we, I mean, granted, Linux Foundation is a trade association, they're serving their companies, but I would even ask it in that context, right? Mm -hmm. In our context, I say we're serving our charitable mission. In the corporate context, are the, is Linux Foundation serving its mission of promoting the common business interest of all these Linux-focused companies by allowing the Linux community to be that way? Is that really in the common business interest? Is Linus Torvald saying you should have a, your, your mother should go back in time and abort you? Is that, is that in the common business interest of HP and Intel and all these other companies? Yeah, I mean, it seems I odd to me that that's that, that that kind of statements in their common business interest. How do they come to that conclusion? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you could they probably would make the argument of well, how much instability would we bring to these companies by you know upsetting the apple cart of you know of taking any real action here? But at the same time, you know, if I I think I think the kernel community is robust enough that it would recover. Well, and I think Quickly. that I think that um, I, I mean I, I I've never I've never I, I think some Linux developers um, have have egos that are out of control. Um, I I really think that's true. Uh, I, I mean I I I've, I'm, I'm, I have no qualms about saying. I mean obviously I'm I'm talking in part about Linus. I th I think that that he's had a lot of success in his career, and um, he has a wonderful project that does a lot of useful things. And I think it's very easy when you when you spend your entire career getting more and more famous and getting more and more powerful. Um, I mean, you notice a lot of the the I, I compare it to the who's that guy who recently lost his sports team because he basically said some pretty horribly oh, sexist yeah. and racist things, right? When when you have a lot of power in life, uh, and uh, it's very easy. 
um, to fall into these patterns of behavior that, that if you have a if you have a little bit of a you're not perfect right I mean and I think it was really telling I mean just going back to the thing we talked about Linus literally said he grew up in a dysfunctional family and I mean he has issues I mean I, I said I encouraged him to seek therapy in the previous episode and I think I think that's part of it right I mean I mean I used to have bad behavior I I've talked a little bit in my blog about how uh, in an issue of sexism raised in my computer science department I was on the wrong side of the argument uh, because I took that traditional free speech argument of people should have the right to talk about anything they want. And, yeah. and, and so I've made that mistake too. Uh, in, and I was a rock star in my undergraduate. I was the smartest student in, in our department in seven years and, you know, and all this sort of thing. Right. So I, so I, I had a certain amount of power that I didn't understand was power at the time mm-hmm. um, because I came from a dysfunctional family and, and acted badly and, and took the wrong side of a question when women in our department were saying the lab environment is unwelcoming. Um, which yeah. they were right about. Yeah, and I mean, so, I told you that what happened at Cooper Union, where I've told yeah, our listeners yeah. that they just hired me, yeah. which was really proactive. And that's what we're trying, you know, I've just said we again, but that's what the Outreach Program for Women is trying to do. Um, but it's tough. I, you know, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't have any mixed feelings about Outreach Program for Women. It's a great program, and um, I think its expansion is going to help things. But on a, on a, a you know, on a... Uh, micro level, I'm worried sometimes about bringing women into these environments where, you know, they'll get harassed or they'll have a really negative experience. So, you know, it has to come from both sides. Yeah. And, and another thing is, is that uh, if developers are listening, um, there are developers out there who are almost always right on technical points. This is qu- sort of what Leonard's getting at. Mm. Um, be, uh, Leonard believes himself to be absolutely right on all the technical decisions he makes. But I think one of the things that's coming across in his post is just, he doesn't actually say this, but there's a kind of a subtle undertone of this, that just because you understand the technical things and can argue your position well on the technical things doesn't mean you're right in life generally. Right. Yeah, and, and I found this to be true, right? I mean, I'm, I'm smart and I'm good I at what I'm good at. I find this to be true about myself. I expect, yeah. I expect to be the person who's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, I'm I, not I, always... It's about, about a major project founder in a, in a free software project who uh, it was very difficult to deal with when the person was wrong. Because the person was so used to being right that the few times when they were wrong, like they fought much harder than they should have. Where everybody else, when you're wrong more often, you're so like, well, I have to give in on this one because I might be wrong. If somebody's almost always right, when they're wrong, they fight for that wrong position for longer than anybody else yeah. will because they're just not used to being wrong. They're thinking, why is everybody else wrong here? Well, in this one particular case, you're wrong. And I think technical people who are very highly skilled, they just sort of assume that that same logic uh, that they use uh, to get good technically just applies everywhere and works. And the types of assi- one of the things that's true about technical work that's not true about the social justice work or social issues is that the types of assumptions you can make about a technical problem, um, it's harder to find where those assumptions are in a in 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 a cultural situation. Whereas when you're dealing with a computer, uh, there there's some fundamental assumptions you can make and trust them that, because they're really obvious. And the ones that seem obvious outside of a technical realm. Uh, I could just be wrong. And I think it's one of the things where assuming that like in my life, I don't see any women being oppressed. Therefore, there is no oppression of women anywhere uh, because I would certainly see it because I'm living in the world, right? right. But the, the worlds that we live in, the, the privilege that we have in, in just, just to consider in the, in the West and particularly if you're in the West in 
a, a, a Europe and, and the U.S. and in a job that pays well, mm. the people you interact with are all these other privileged people. And so you don't see, even though it is there, it's you don't see as much of it and therefore it's harder to see it. And that's why I found the sexism when I encountered it to be so surprising because I, I'm used to living in a world where I don't see things like this so overtly. <laughs> I mean, the subtle sexism every, every day, I've, I've come to notice it. The, uh, how people talk over me a lot, how, um, and other women, how um, when we come up with interesting points, they're attributed to other people who repeat them later. Um, I mean, a lot of things like that happen over and over and over and over again. Um, so I, all of this, my experience has turned me from someone who didn't want to talk about women in um, technology to someone who is now an advocate um, for making changes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I, 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 I think that, you know, you said that you were connecting this topic to relevance in our podcast. I think it's relevant to our podcast. Just, to, you know, I don't think we need to justify it, um, talking about it. And I, um, you know, I know we've done a couple of episodes like this. I think it's a it's a really important issue. And by talking about it, um, you know, you'll you wind up noticing these things more. And I think that alone makes um, makes things better. Well, I want to and I wanted people to understand that it relates to charity work. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is a central issue of doing charity work in free software. That, yeah. From my point of view, I mean, I, I think that, I, that think so I think it's a central issue. That's that's what I was really trying to link it up is that is that it actually is a central issue. Um, I, I guess it's not. It's just not important to trade associations, I suppose. I mean, the only way it gets important to trade associations, maybe this Intel thing will cause that, right? In the some sense that that Intel is facing this backlash in a way that that perhaps it would somebody will realize it's in their common business interest. <laughs> oh, you know, we um, never actually closed the loop on the Intel thing, which is that the my 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 biggest objection with Intel was their non-apology. Mm -hmm. um, so they issued an apology saying that they take their feedback from customers seriously, that they've decided not to continue their current their ad campaign with that website. Um, and that they recognized that their action inadvertently created a perception that they were somehow taking sides at an increasingly bitter debate in the gaming community. And they say this wasn't their intent and that they support equality in women. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and while we equality, were they said, they literally said that equality in women comes to our, no, uh, equality and women. Oh, and women. I thought you said in, I was yes. like, what the hell does that mean? To be very clear, Intel believes men and women should be treated the same. And diversity is an integral part of our corporate strategy and vision with commitments to improve the diversity of our workforce. Um, and yeah, see, I, actually, I actually don't believe men and women should be treated the same because I actually believe in affirmative action. I think we actually should <laughs> should be favoring to get women well, involved. Well, I mean, but the goal, the goal. Yeah. The long-term goal, but the sh short term. Is capable as men. And the reason I, reason I bring that up is because so many so many people in the Linux community in particular argue, I treat, Linus would say, I treat everybody the same. I'm, yes. I'm horrible to everybody. Yes. Therefore, it's not sexism because I'm horrible to everybody equally. Even though your actions disproportionately turn away certain groups of people. Yeah, exactly. That, that's yeah. why I wanted to raise that. But then it just says that, it says that uh, Intel doesn't support any, um, any organization or movement that discriminates against women and they apologize and are deeply sorry if we offended anyone. So they didn't renew their funding, but they also didn't say we're going to, and they say that they have diversity initiatives, but they didn't say we're going to allocate X number, X amount of money for, um, you know, for diversity initiatives that we've, we're already doing this. We're going to uh, dedicate, um, you know, 
certain number of our employee time or anything like that. And it, it just seemed like a yeah, real I mean, non-apology. That would be a better PR. I mean, just, just from a, I mean, just if I put myself in their shoes, because all they care about is making money because um, they're a company. That's all they care about. They, they, don't, they don't really care about any of these things except to the extent to which it influ- influences their ability to make money because they're a company and that's, all they, that's their only amoral goal in the world. Um, so the, the best thing to make money in that uh, is they were already spending this money on advertising anyway. If they took the same amount of money and say uh, donated to Average Program for Women or whatever, right? Some mm-hmm. initiative do- donated to the scholarship I mean, thing or the scholarship things that um, that I-, I talked about this in my blog that John Oliver was talking about because uh, John Oliver did this whole piece. I talked about my blog. If those who don't read my blog, I talked about this piece John Oliver did about the Miss America pageant, which claims it's the biggest scholarship for women uh. in the world. And he actually, the reason I got so excited about it um, was because as part of the bit, he printed out all the Form 990s from all the Miss America organizations in the world to research this claim they had about, and he had this big stack of Form 990s, which I could tell were Form 990s because the way he turned the page, I could see, I knew the mm-hmm. layout of the page because mm-hmm. I've looked at him so often. And so they basically, he showed how they were double counting things. Like they counted um, like one, they counted one Miss America uh, group in one state that gives scholarships to basically any will give the winner a scholarship to any university in the state they want and they counted that every like they basically counted the scholarship for every university Uh, of course the woman who wins can only take one of the scholarships you can't go to four schools at once right but they counted it four times because they're like oh well it's four full scholarships to four different places when the winner will pick one and go to one school not Mm -hmm. in serial go to each school and and have like spent 14 years in college or whatever it is (laughs) um so he pointed this out and then he listed off various different scholarship programs for women right. that were actually legitimate um, and they, they got increased donations. That's great. Um, and so they could have done that. They could have taken, they could oh, have locked into that and said donated to those. They could have, just, they could have just shout out, sh- like done a shout out and said, you know, we support these initiatives. Because but it would have been cost neutral because they they're pulling OPW. the money anyway. They're pulling the money from this gaming site, which I've already argued. Yes, they, they probably shouldn't just, have been sponsoring that gaming site in the first place. They could have just put that specific money towards exactly. split what, it up amongst four different I mean, initiatives. why don't they call me for PR consulting. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, this is such an obvious PR move. They could say, oh, we've decided we, because we support women, we decided to take the money we're advertising this site and give it to this, uh, the, uh, something called, uh, I'll get the link right. Um, it, it was called the, uh, the Women's Society of Engineers, I think, does a women's scholarship for engineers. Mm-hmm. That was one of the ones that John, wrong, but the link will be in the show notes. That was one of the ones John Oliver Society encouraged. Society of Women do- Engineers. Society of Women Engineers. Yeah. He encouraged people to donate to their scholarship Because at the time, I was like, why would I ever join that? <laughs> so so they could have, Intel could have just given the money they spent on the advertising to the the scholarship of women engineers. But honestly, even if they had just said we support these programs and we'll investigate increasing our, um, you know, our commitment I, in that the would future, have been kind of a non-commitment. But I mean, it still would have been better than what they have. It would have been better, but they could have done the easy, cost-neutral thing. They were already spending this money on advertising. It probably wasn't that much because this site is not. I mean, I'm sure it's yeah. uh, popular to gamers, but it's not like they. It's not like you can get us. It's not like you need to give them a million dollars to get a sponsorship. It's probably yeah. like a ten thousand dollar a year sponsorship. I'd be surprised if it were that high. Yeah. Okay. Four thousand yeah. dollars a year, whatever. Right. Then they could have taken. That four thousand US, given it to the scholarship fund, it would have been cost neutral to them, and everything would have been fine. And Matthew wouldn't have written his blog posts and all this other stuff, right? And it actually, would have been better spent on the money, better spend on the money anyway. Well, actually, yeah, no, I I agree, but the apology happened before, uh, happened after Matthew wrote his blog post, so it had already escalated. Oh, true, That's yeah. True. But then he he would have had to eat crow, right? Because he would have said, oh well, now they're giving, now they're they've actually done <laughs> they've done a better thing than sponsoring the game site. Um, so they actually could Which have. Which he would have ma- loved to have done. Yeah, I know. I agree with you, but they could have. I mean, I mean he's not out there. The more I look he's at this, he's not trying to like 
to a gotcha with Intel or anything like True that. Enough. He just wants the right I've said results. To this, I've said to this privately before, I'm just amazed. Like some of this is that is that I'm surprised I'm actually good at politics. Like people look like political, like that thing you just read, which we'll link to in the show notes as well, that that is amateur hour politically, right? It's, it's so bad. It's so obviously bad when I look at it as a politician and say, why would you write your apology that way? Like it just digs your hole deeper, obviously. And I'm amazed at how amateur people are. I mean, I mean, even if you're shrewdly political and you don't care about anything, you're an amoral, which is Intel, an amoral company only cares about making money. Like, even if that's all you care about, make the right political move to advance your goal of making yeah. money, right? I mean, I have to make these decisions all the time. I don't do them perfectly every time, but in something as big, I'm not going to screw it up, mm-hmm. right? I screw up small ones all the time, admittedly. Karen points out to me. We all screw up small things yeah. all the time. But on the big things, you make sure you get the politics right. And I'm just amazed that they, they could get, get it so wrong. It, it, it almost, it sort of says that, it actually says something to this issue, right? It says that they care so little about this issue that they think it's small stuff. That's why, because they didn't put their best, poli- obviously they have better PR people than that at Intel, I'm sure. And they didn't put their best PR people on this because their best PR people would have told them, yeah, give, give money to a scholarship fund instead. Like, obviously, they would. that's the obvious answer. Mm. And so it, it, what it speaks to is, is that Intel, it, it sort of pushes Matthew's point further. Further, Intel doesn't care so little about this issue that they're willing to treat it like it's a minor issue mm. and such that they, let, they put their amateurs on it. Mm. Um, that's an interesting way of... Uh thinking about it yeah you almost would be more worried that they're that they're that they're playing you more if they did the right thing right you wonder like are they really doing the right thing or well you can't go down that road drive uh, yourself crazy true but um yeah but uh ultimately i i think it means that they they don't even take the situation seriously enough to do it right Hmm. to get their best political minds best pr minds on the question because obviously that's that's not written by yeah but it might go back to your initial point which is that it's because it's a gaming site it's well, and, and they're conflating the issue. They don't. They don't yeah. understand that the the real issue is in the gaming side. But that's the point: is that, that nobody inside Intel said, "Wait a second, this is actually in the middle of a much more important issue," even though it wasn't initially. Right. It's just it's just bad thinking. It's bad political thinking, and and it shows that they're not putting their best political minds on it. Um, so it's you know it's it's a mistake from their point of view. Uh, even even if you go along with their goal of that they're only just trying to make money here, it's it doesn't make them more money. I don't think. I would be remiss if we didn't end this with some constructive advice for people as to ways they can help this issue. I'd say the biggest thing is if you ever see any objectionable behavior to call it out. If you're, um, especially if you're a man, if you see a woman getting talked over or if you see her point getting lost, just pay attention. You'll see this happening all the time. And just saying, actually, you know, that, you know, so-and-so made that point already. And what she said was blah, blah, blah. Do you, you know, so-and-so, do you want to talk a little bit more about it since now clearly people think it's a great idea or, or things like that? Or I think so-and-so wasn't finished talking or, you know, that's, that's a huge thing that you can do, um, that, that, men in particular, especially in free software, have amazing power to do. And like me as a woman, I always try to stick up when I see that happening to other women, but it's less powerful since I'm another woman, um, which is crazy. But I sadly true. have to give the Lena's answer on that, which is that I talk over everybody. 
but, but no, I know it's bad. Good. I know you, it's when bad. When you see people talking over me, you make a real effort to. I do. I, to I'm point doing it, it subconsciously out. if I am. So. No, you're I, not. I can't take, I mean, I can't take I, conscious may, credit for that. Now, unfortunately, it's something we talked about in the past. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I maybe I, I remember that subconsciously or something. I'm, I admit yeah. that I'm not doing that consciously. It's I, I just get lucky, I guess. You um, do a good job of trying to give credit where credit is due, regardless. Well, yeah, I always. That's a kind of a fundamental prayer. That's not even. I mean, it's it's an underdog mentality, right? Yeah, I think that's true. So it it applies. Um, so, so I would say that then there's, um, you know, bring the outreach program for women to your free software projects and ask your company to be sponsor, support the aid initiative, which is just finishing their fundraising drive, which is very successful. Um, what else am I missing? Yeah, actually supporting doing that. It actually, (laughs) there's this thing you can do that, that suggesting to join outreach program for women, actually um, outs your sexists in your community. Yeah. I've noticed that a few times. The, the, the posting to the mailing list suggesting it, you actually, it, for that whole like subtle sexism versus overt sexism, posting to your mailing list saying, we should consider joining the outreach program for women will force the sexist out of, the, uh, out of their subtlety. They'll start with, uh, it's not a great use of funds. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah, but the point <laughs> is, is that I've seen it happen in multiple different free software communities where you find out you find out who your who your political enemies are real fast because they they can't help but criticize it when it's that overt. Whereas they might spend most of their time being subtly sexist. They have to they sort of like have to circle their wagons and and mm-hmm. fight the evil outreach program for women in their view. And mm-hmm, so then they, it's mm-hmm. they, they have to identify themselves. So it's actually kind of a kind of a way to to root out the sexism in your community um, quickly. By just suggesting that. that's pretty manipulative. I like. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's politics, right? I mean, I mean, the but thing it's also is, this, legit. This is a political it's like fight. it's yeah, and it's also like a you know suggesting that people consider joining a program like OPW is in my mind you know just not a very controversial thing to do to suggest. But it is, the thing is, it is controversial to people on the other side, and it forces them to yeah. to come at it. It's, it's a good it's, idea. It's a political maneuver. I, I mean, I'm I'm not. I'm not. I'm not afraid of doing political maneuvers to, to reach a goal that's good. Uh, I I sometimes feel seedy about it, but it's it's the thing we have to do. That's um, a good a good suggestion. I might add that to my talk now. <laughs> so um so one uh, one final thing uh, I want to mention to people. So uh, you may have noticed in this episode, this is completely like uh, procedural about the audio. Um, I'm having some problem with this mic that we're primarily using. We have a backup recording, but the backup recording is on whole not very nice uh as far as how it sounds um so the primary recording there's probably like little jumps in it you probably noticed this throughout this uh this uh thing where there's like a second that goes mute basically uh and and you kind of miss a word or something i'm gonna look into this problem it has to do with something running on my laptop that's because it's not giving sort of real-time io to the the mic recording app and so which is just a command line program but um Anyway, so if you heard that and you've probably heard it on previous episodes, I apologize for it. Um, I'll mention it to Dan. It's not something he can easily – I mean he would have to easily cut that little like half second out of the other audio in to make it work. And I'll mention to him that maybe if he doesn't mind spending the time to try it um, uh, to fix my problem. Um, but anyway, so if you've heard that, I'll try and figure out what's going on. This didn't, it's what occasionally happened in the old days and I thought I would solved it, but it's happening again. So I wanted to apologize to everybody for that. It is happening again. Yeah, it only happened once in this little part of the segment, but in the earlier segments, it was longer. So, that's all I wanted to add. Talk to you next time.
Breeze and Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Freeze and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Freeze and Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Freeze and Freedom website, faith.us. That's F-A-I-F.us. I hope I'm right about the things I was insisting very, uh, I am? Okay, good. Oh my goodness, Bubba.